Hey everyone, welcome to our March exchange chat. We're gonna be talking about becoming a leader with Amy Smith, PTA today. Before we get started, if you've never been on an exchange chat before, what this is, as you're watching, you can submit questions if you have them live. You can either post them in the comments here, but there's also a conversation happening on Twitter. Use the hashtag exchange essay the whole time and people are gonna be talking and you can either quote Amy, quote me, or have thoughts just talking back and forth. Um, and while Amy's introducing herself, go ahead and write in the comments who you are, that you're watching, where you're from, if you're a PT, PTA student, what year you are, kind of what so we can start talking to each other too. Uh, so Amy, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here um, talking with you and the rest of the Facebook world. Uh, my name is Amy Smith. I have been a PTA for a few years. I graduated from PTA school in 1995. Um, I have worked in a variety of settings, aquatics, pediatrics, um, outpatient, home health, acute care, but I landed in SNF. So I have been working in geriatric rehab for a little over 10 years now. Um, I currently am a regional director of operations and I manage 13 SNFs and two outpatients in North Alabama. So uh, very busy. Um, Restore Therapy uh, is the company that I work for and they are very supportive of me and my involvement with APTA. That's great. I feel like sometimes most of the leaders that talk to you are busy people, but if they're like me, I thrive when I'm busy and I get more done. Um, so Amy, what first got you interested in leadership? So um, I always felt it was important to be a member of the organization and the association. So I was a member as a student and the first couple of years, you know, I just was a member, would go to the conferences when I could. And um, one year I was sitting on the beach uh, we always have our spring conference at the beach and um, was actually a conference. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to have a conference. I was actually sitting on the beach under an umbrella with another PTA friend of mine. And there was a group of ladies beside me and it happened to be Jeannie Box. And Jeannie Box is a longtime PTA. She's a former affiliate assembly president. And uh, we just started chatting and she um, looked at me and she said, you know what? it's time for you to step up. And so it was with her mentorship and um, mentorship within the Alabama chapter, um, Jerry Klug, Bob Bradford, who just supported me and, and saw my strengths and um, helped me along the way. That's fantastic. I feel like a lot of people get involved because they find somebody else who's involved um, and kind of like start that, I can't remember the word, but kind of, Cascade, there it is. <laughs> Cascade more people into it. Um, so for people that are looking for a mentor and maybe necessarily can't find one, how did how do you think most people should go about finding that mentor maybe to get into leadership? Well, you know, I think one is go to the conferences, go to the meetings, and um, you're going to find somebody that you kind of connect with, um, or you're going to find somebody that you kind of want to be like. So I think that's important. I think that you need to find a mentor that is similar to you and has qualities of what you would like to be. But really, you need more than one. And so I think it's learning from everybody that you come into contact with. But then ask them, can I take you for a cup of coffee or buy them a drink or 
you know, just sit down and talk to them. And, you know, I remember, I don't know, this has probably been eight to 10 years ago that at that one of those beach conferences, we had a golf tournament. And at that time, our board liaison was Sharon Dunn. Oh, so Sharon was just a, just a small name in the profession. No big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. <laughs> and so we actually played in a golf tournament together. That's fantastic. And, uh, so, you know, we started chatting during the golf tournament and then later by the, the pool side. But you never know what um, who you meet today, how they might, you know, affect your future or even the future of the profession. Because look at how much Sharon has done um, during her term as presidency. So I think that's it. I think you find people that you connect with. Um, as Sharon Dunn would say, you know, you marinate on it a little bit. <laughs> I but, love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of her um, sayings that I, I really enjoy because it's something that <laughs> it helps me. Sometimes you got to pause and you got to think about something. And I definitely like to, to marinate on things. Oh, that's a great Southern saying since I'm also in the South <laughs> now. Um, so I know you're in the PTA caucus. Can you kind of explain a little bit what that is? Sure. So the PTA caucus is actually a group of 50 representatives from every state. So each state has a PTA caucus rep and those 50 representatives elect five delegates and one is a chief delegate. So I serve as the chief delegate of the PTA caucus and um, I represent all PTAs nationally in the House of Delegates. Also, um, we also present a report to the APTA Board of Directors on an annual basis. That's coming up here next month in April. Um, We have a PTA town hall meeting at CSM. So one of our main goals as the PTA caucus is just to help PTA members, one, um, understand the value of membership within APTA, Um, Two, to become engaged leaders at every level, whatever level they are currently um, at, whether it's at the chapter level, at the component level, in in a section, or nationally, and and give them the tools that they need to be an effective leader. So I love that. that. Um, I know some things have come up when I've been asking different people about involvement because they want to get involved but don't necessarily know how. Do you think you need a title to be a leader? You don't. Um, that's you lead where you currently are. And oh, that's great. Somebody needs to quote that in their tweets. <laughs> you lead where you are. Um, you know, social media, PTA Caucus. If you haven't gone, go to the Facebook page, PTA Caucus, and like and follow us. But one of the things that makes our social media more effective is just people going in and sharing our post or commenting on our post. And in a way that's leadership because you're sharing the message with other members, um, PTA members. So I think it's leadership is just simply using your talents um, for where you currently are, because there's somebody who has less experience than you, even as a student, you know, mm-hmm. we were just talking earlier about the first year students. Well, you can be a a mentor and a leader to them and even a first year student. How many people are trying to get into PT school? Um, Like my daughter, she's applying to PT school this fall. So there's always an opportunity for you to lead wherever you are. 
I love that. That's so great. Um, so are you talking about students being leaders? So what can those students do now? Alex Dean, by the way, is the one that asked this question. What can students do now that can help develop them into leaders? Great. Thanks, Alex. I think one is um, be involved in your chapter. Um, attend chapter meetings. If you have a student assembly SIG, um, be a member of that. Um, one, be a member of APTA. And then two, encourage other students to be members um, of APTA. Um, go to your, typically every chapter has a um, day on the hill. Mm -hmm. Go to the hill, advocate for our profession. Um, attend CSM. CSM is such a great event. Um, we had so many students this year at New Orleans, and next year we're going to be in D.C. So it's a great opportunity to go to CSM, but also to go to the Hill um, in D.C. So uh, that's a great way as a student to, to get involved. That's, uh, I totally agree. Uh, not necessarily just CSM, but also Next and NSC. They're not quite as expensive, and they're smaller conferences, so they're kind of easier, and they have that pure bumpability as I've heard before where you can bump into those mentors maybe you want to find and um, yeah. <laughs> National Student Conclave is, is a great um, conference for all students to attend. And you know, the thing is if, if funding is difficult where there's a will there's a way and so if you're interested in going you can find a way to get funded or to get sponsorship um, so that you can attend. I agree. I feel like more and more as sections and state components, they want their students to go, so they are willing to find scholarships or um, there might be a hint, hint, a really big scholarship coming up next week that somebody uh, kind of involved in this, you know, the association is going to be put out, which is going to be exciting. Um, but Allie Patterson asks, you mentioned you were involved in the geriatrics. Um, do you know any leadership opportunities for students in from the APTA or the geriatrics section? Thanks, Allie. Um, you know, I don't know specifically, um, but I would think, uh, you know, a student liaison to the geriatric section, um, potentially, even just being involved in the geriatric section. So your um, geriatric section delegate is actually Ellen Strunk. Ellen happens to be an Alabama chapter member as well. Um, and she uh, is a great, I mean, she's just a great advocate for subacute rehab for geriatric patients. She has such a wealth of knowledge on payment and reimbursement as well. So um, she would be another great person to reach out to um, and find out more specifically what, what type of opportunities there are in geriatrics. Um, PTAs in regards to geriatrics and PTAs, uh, once you graduate from PTA school, there is an advanced proficiency in geriatrics for the PTA. Um, so that's a great resource for PTAs to look into and to find out about. I love that. I'm actually the board or like student assembly board. I'm the geriatrics liaison. Um, and I'm working with them right now to try to get more student involvement opportunities. Um, and as a board, we are working with, we're going to start working with more sections to get more student involvement. So if anybody is watching this and wants to get involved in a section, like please reach out to any of the board of directors. We really want to start helping um, more people in each section get involved because students have a lot of energy and we just get really excited about a lot of things. <laughs> well, and the thing um, is, the sections are looking for those individuals mm -hmm. too. So they want PTAs and students to be involved and engaged in their sections. And so you're right, it is a great opportunity. I agree. 
And so this is a great question right following this up. So Dominic asks, what's the best way for a student who may be intimidated to approach a section or a SIG about getting involved? So I think the best way is attend a meeting or attend something online and then ask questions specifically about what you went to, what you attended, because then it's something that one you've just heard and you've listened to and you feel um, confident about and just start a conversation um, about things you have in common. Um, so if it's geriatrics, you know, talk about what is your passion in geriatrics? Is it, um, you know, total knee replacements or something like that? And then just, so just start on a foundation that you're comfortable with and, and kind of go from there. You know, we're not as people who have been in leadership, we're actually really excited to talk to students. So we're not intimidating. Um, so if you can get just past the go up and introduce yourself, then it's easy from there because we're nerds. We're PT nerds, just like you guys are. And we could talk all day about PT and PTA teams and um, the settings that we love to work in. I couldn't agree more. Um, shameless plug yesterday, we had our very first North Carolina student conclave. We had about 300 students attend. And that was a common theme that some of the students had asked me because um, some people are intimidated. They're more, um, I'm 93% extroverted, so I could talk to a wall. But I think an easy thing for people to do is grab a friend and then both of you go up together and it's not as scary. Um, but most leaders in PT are so excited to talk to new people. <laughs> um, so just take that step, be a little bit brave and just talk to them because I feel like that's where step one happens a lot of times for leadership and involvement opportunities. Well, you know, those of us who have been in this field for a while, we actually want to mentor people. But individuals who come to us and who seek that, who want, who want it, because not everybody has that desire. But I want to invest my time in somebody who, who feels it's worthwhile. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, is you learn just as much from the person. I learn just as much from the person I'm mentoring as they learn from me. So it, it's it's a great relationship. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. Um, Alex has another question. What characteristics are important for an individual's growth? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things um, for your growth is you have to be true to your characteristics. So there are all different kinds of leaders. There are leaders who are more of a coaching type leader. Um, and if you're more of a coaching one-on-one, -on -one, then that's the characteristic that you need to, to work on and grow and um, if, you know, you're great at speaking in front of people, in front of 400 people at the House of Delegates, then that's, then you, then that's what you really work on and, and you work on growing. Um, one of the biggest things, I think, is learning not to react, but to pause and then respond. And so sometimes in this field of physical therapy, when we're, we're very passionate about certain subjects, we have the, t the tendency to want to react real quick and say what we think. But if we can stop and listen to what the other person has to say to understand, yeah. that's one of the most important things of leadership is to listen and understand what someone else is telling you. And then, mm -hmm. and then speak so that you can be understood. Um, so I think that's the biggest, my biggest thing about leadership is just don't, react but pause and respond 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I heard a lot of themes over the last few weeks. It's listened in the intent of actually understanding as opposed to listening to respond. And I know a lot of times in leadership, we just want our opinion to be out there. And I think that that growth of understanding what that actually means to listen to understand and not necessarily always get your own agenda out is really important in like good leaders. Um, and Jeremy has a question that kind of goes right into that. As a leader, how do you develop an understanding of the personalities of the individuals that you are leading? Okay, uh, real quick. I'm going to follow up to the last question as we're talking about the um, seek to understand. That's a Covey habit. So I'll say Stephen Covey, Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a great book for leadership. Um, so the question, remind me one more time. Will you ask it again? Uh, Jeremy asks, as a leader, how do you develop an understanding? Hold on, it moved. There we go. An understanding um, for people's personalities for those that you're leading. Like. So there's actually a color profile that I use. So um, that's actually one of uh, one of the things as a regional director of operations, I manage 15 rehab directors who then manage each of their teams. And so we have used the color profile in, in many of our facilities and we used it within APTA. And that really talks about what each individual's strengths are and their character. So I am actually gold and blue. Um, so a gold person is someone who likes to make, write a list and very organized and um, gets things done. A blue person is very compassionate and a lot of therapists are blue. Mm -hmm. So if you have something that needs to be organized, then you want a gold person to do that task. Um, one of my best friends is actually orange and orange is, are you orange? Yeah. Horrendously orange, yes. <laughs> orange people are, well, you can tell me what's orange. So we're kind of fly by the seat of our pants, energetic, um, not the most organized individuals. <laughs> we have a lot of energy, typically. Right. So if you need something to be organized, you don't give it to the orange person. No. If you need <laughs> ideas, or if you need like a, a team leader or, you know, somebody to, to get people motivated, that's your orange person. And then you have greens and the greens like to stop and think about something. And so an orange and a green are very opposite because the orange isn't going to think they're just going to dig. Yep. <laughs> green is going to stop and think about it before they decide what they're going to do. They're very visionary though. Um, and so when you have something that really needs to be thought about, um, you know, what a mission, a mission statement, well, that would be good for your green person to, to help work on. Um, so that's what it is. You really look at, okay, is there a some type of color profile or other device that you can find out what each person's strength is and then give them a task that's related to their strength. And then they're not frustrated because you give them something that speaks to their strengths. I agree. Uh, I feel like sometimes if you don't know where someone else is coming from, if you don't know they're necessarily their personality type, it can create a lot of conflict and a lot of like butting heads. But once you kind of understand where that person's coming from, it can help the other person kind of calm down and understand and kind of take a minute. And then as I said before, then respond kind of like respectfully and have a better, more productive conversation at that point. Yeah. 
Um, I'm gonna shift the, com the conversation a little bit. So how do you balance like your leadership commitments with like your work and life balance right there? Because I know a lot of people, they're like, I don't know how much I can take on. It's a lot of work. Right. Well, you know, I think over the years, you know, there have been times where it, maybe I did not have the greatest balance. And I've learned from that. Um, but, you know, one, one thing about the association is I can't afford not to be a part of it because my profession, you know, that, that's my career and reimbursement and payment for the services that I provide that my therapists, you know, that work and my facilities provide for the patients that we care for. They need us, you know. Um, it's my responsibility to be an active and involved member of my professional organization to protect it. So first and foremost, that's my first thing. And then, you know, when I look back over the years, I've been a member um, for over 20 years. And I think about when I was a student, I wouldn't have been on this Facebook Live like you are. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit more introverted. Um, but, you know, being a member of APTA and being involved and being a leader, I have gotten so much more in return. Yes, I've invested time, but what I've gotten back is tenfold. Um, what I've invested. So it's been well worth it. You know, over the years, there have been times when I decided that I needed to make a change. Either I moved or I needed to change um, my career, you know, kind of the direction of my career. Um, when I moved out of staff, you know, being a staff PTA to management. And it was really the connections that I had made within the Alabama chapter and the networking that helped me not only be able to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, I'm looking for a different top position, but also to know who was the best company suited for me. Um, uh, so, you know, I think it's, um, I, I, I can't afford not to have the time to be a member. So I think it's just balancing it. I have also learned that there are some times when you just have to disconnect. Mm -hmm. And my love is mountain biking. So, um, you know, I take time every week, except for the past four, because I break my ankle. But I take time every week to um, ride my bike. And that's my that's my free time. That's where I exert energy and uh, stress. But it's also amazing that sometimes when I when I'm on the bike. Something about work, just there's a lot full or even about APTA, there's a light bulb because when you free yourself of all the things that you have to do, a lot of times the thing you might be struggling with or having difficulty with, the answer all of a sudden is just there. So. I couldn't agree more. Um, Cause I know some, for a lot of people, APT membership is expensive. Uh, but I kind of realized like for students, like I pay $90 a year to be a part of APTA but I feel like I've gotten way more than that $90 back just because once you get involved, you do it just a little bit. I feel like it gives so much more back to you than you could ever give to it. That's how I feel at this point, but it's definitely that two way street. Um, you can't just expect it all of a sudden to come on to you. You have to do a little bit of work to get that return. You talk about $90 a year. As so a how many of us go to Starbucks? Mm -hmm. For student membership, right? <laughs> Um, how many of us go to Starbucks and, you know, 
it's it's less than a, a Starbucks trip. So when you look at it per month for you guys, something like that. So, you know, it, it is well worth it. And the thing about APTA is it's not this entity that's in Alexandria, Virginia. I am APTA. You are APTA. And so, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, kind of take from one of JF Kennedy's quotes. Don't ask what APTA can do for you, but ask what I can do for APTA. And, you know, I am APTA. You are APTA. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Uh, ooh, here's a good one. Keypack asks, what are some barriers that PTAs face to get involved and how do we overcome those? Hey, Key. <laughs> um, barriers to getting involved. Um, well, I think one is, you know, money. And I think that you just have to focus um, because if you look at it for the year, maybe $90 is for a student budget might be hard or, you know, for PTA members or PT members more than that. But if you break it into smaller bites, you know, what it costs you monthly, it's very reasonable. Um, what other barrier? Um, you know, I think you mentioned earlier that some people may feel intimidated or maybe they don't feel comfortable going up to somebody to learn. Um, and so I think you just have to, you just have to take a friend with you, like you mentioned. Um, Sometimes there's other PTAs that have been involved for a long time. And so maybe there's not a position available for you because Amy Smith is the chief delegate, which my term is ending this year and I'm not eligible to run again. But then tie on to that person who's in that role. And, and because they're always looking for someone to take their place because they want someone to, to learn and to grow and, they want to transfer their knowledge. And so I think sometimes our barriers are just in our own mind. And if we can just start the conversation, um, then that's a, that's a great way to open the door. I completely agree. And as a PTA, have you ever felt like it's more difficult to get involved at all along the way? Me personally, no. Um, you know, I, I know that, the half of eight was very discouraging. So when PTAs were um, brought into the association, PTAs had a half of eight. And in 2015, we passed an RC to allow components the option to give PTAs a full vote. So currently we have 39 states, chapters that have passed the full vote for the PTA. And I believe it's nine, which, a couple of sections just voted. I believe it's nine sections. Um, so that's a significant, um, that's a significant change. Um, and it's helped the value of, of PTA membership, the perceived value. Um, I actually, uh, you know, my, one of my first positions, I worked with Jerry Klug and he was a former president of the Alabama chapter. And he always encouraged me and supported me. And Alabama has always encouraged me and supported me as a PTA. Um, Restore, um, you know, supports me and encourages me. So I haven't felt that personally. Um, but I know that there are some individuals who maybe did feel that it was a harder as a PTA. And I think learning from 
those who have gone on before, um, those who may have been through struggles. And, and I think also just maybe stop and listen to whatever the concern might be and, and be willing to, to have the difficult discussion in a very respectful way. Yeah. I like that was that was great. <laughs> I don't even have a rebuttal. Um, but I have a really good question from Luke Markert. I hope I said your name right. Um, what is the most important issue facing PTAs, and what are like other ones that are just the PT profession in general? Hey, Luke in Texas. Um, I thought you might be out fishing this afternoon. <laughs> so the most important thing in my mind right now today is the fact in four years, there's gonna be an 85% differential for PTAs in regards to Medicare payment. Um, I work in a geriatric setting, um, so that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I also um, am an operator, so I look at you know, profit and revenue and cost. And when you talk about cutting 15% of payment, I realize that's significant. So that's why we need all PTs and PTAs to be members of our association. Just think of what we can accomplish with 100% and students. Doesn't mean to leave students out. Uh, but just think what we can do with 100% of our profession being members of our association. APTA. I don't even know. <laughs> APTA will be sitting in Washington, D.C., or standing. In Washington DC working to support services that are provided by the PT PTA team and you know during that week so I'll take you back to February 2nd so that week when the cap was repealed first of all that's a huge um, accomplishment we had been working and fighting for the cap to be repealed for 20 years and every time you go in to speak to a legislator or a congressman about the cap, they would say, well, how are you going to pay for it? This is great and wonderful, but how are we going to pay for it? You know, we have this trillion dollar deficit. Mm -hmm. And so they snuck in this differential on Monday night. I think that was February 2nd. And the funny thing is, is that happened while the opioid Facebook live event was going on. So Sharon Dunn, <laughs> Justin Moore, Justin Elliott were all live on screen. And Justin Elliott, who is our vice president of governmental affairs, his phone starts blowing up. And it's, you know, he's getting text messages about this language that the house has introduced. And um, so I was in frequent communication that week with Sharon Dunn and Justin Moore about the legislation. Um, and the differential payment for the PTA. That's, I was ready to jump on a plane and go up there. Um, but that's where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be advocating for um, full payment and uh, reimbursement for PT, PTA team services. And APTA did not support that language. And um, we're gonna be working on that. So that's the biggest issue. Absolutely. So what are some ways that um, I think it's a little bit of a better uh, SBT or SBTAs can start advocating for that 85% to get changed by 2022? So the first thing is be a member. <laughs> the theme um, that I started here. Yeah. 
There is a um, webinar that's recorded on the APTA web website. It's the February, I believe it's February 15th, but it's the February Intel Inside. And that 30-minute um, webinar is actually Justin Elliott, and he's telling us um, kind of about the legislation and next steps. But um, they'll be sending out action alerts, um, and, and so being involved in the PT action alerts as they come out is going to be the most important thing. Um, and just staying involved and connected and engaged um, to what's going on. Well, thank you. See, Becca Sutton has a question. It says, being too busy uh, is always the biggest factor limiting student leadership. Any advice for encouraging the importance of student advocacy within your cohort without overwhelming students that do not feel as passionately about leadership? That's such a good question. <laughs> so the first thing is membership. So being a member, just being a member is the first step. So after you're a member, then the second step is to be an active member. So an active member could be you're just staying up to date with what's going on. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're attending extra conferences. So first be a member. Second, be an active member so that you are staying involved and you know what's going on, you know what the issues are. And then third, become more of an engaged member. And engagement is different to different people. Um, you know, engagement might be just sharing Facebook posts. It may be commenting. It may be encouraging those people who have more time. It may be that you want to serve as a ambassador um, within the chapter for the student assembly. It may be that you want to just be a member of your student SIG. Um, or you could run for the Student Assembly Board of Directors if you have a lot of time. But I think it is focusing. You know, we're all busy. Um, that doesn't change. While you're a student, you're busy. But then when you get out of school, you have a job and you're busy. And you have bills and you have a family. Um, so the key is to, to prioritize it. And again, there's different levels. So it's finding the time that you can give now, and it might be different in a few years, and you can give more time. Absolutely. This actually is into a question that's really kind of going right into it. Allie asked, what advice do you have for those who come to realize that they have bitten off more than they can chew with those leadership obligations? So, you know, that, that's a, um, that would be something that I, I would struggle with uh, because I have a tendency to, you know, I'm just going to do it. Uh, if I committed to it, I'm going to do it. Um, so I think that the thing is, is if you've, if you feel like you've bitten off more than you, than you can chew, take a step back and look at, okay, where am I spending my time? Because it may be that, and this is one of Covey's, you know, one, one thing I've learned from Covey is that we, we spend a lot of time doing useless things, <laughs> watching TV, being on social media that really isn't important. Social media can be used positively, but how much time do we waste on things that aren't important and are not urgent? And so that's the first thing is evaluate how you're spending your time and then try to spend your time 
focused on the things that are important and put the big rocks first. So Kevy talks about you have, um, and I'll refer to him a good bit just because I've had a good bit of uh, Kevy training, but you have tasks that are your big rocks and then you have tasks that are small rocks and you have like sand. And a lot of times we'll do the easy task just so that we feel like we've gotten things done. But if you do the easy task first, then you don't have time for the big task. So focus on the big task, get that finished, and then allow the other things to fill up your day. So that would be my thing is before you decide to not follow through with a commitment is step back and evaluate your time. You probably have the time. You're just not spending your time wisely. I completely agree. Um, sometimes I overcommitted with my leadership uh, um, things. And another thing, too, is usually you're in a group of leaders. So you just reach out to the other people around you. You're like, hey, I'm overwhelmed this week. I did this to my board last week. I'm overwhelmed. I have a lot going on. Can you guys help me? Um, sometimes that takes a lot of I hate asking for help because I know everyone else is also busy. But sometimes just kind of swallowing your pride and knowing that you've got too much on your plate can really help um, and then kind of ease the anxiety of being overwhelmed. And that's the great thing about working with a board, uh, working with, you know, there's four or five of us delegates. There's five and an alternate delegate. And so we do that from time to time. You know, this week, you know, maybe somebody's on vacation or somebody's um, busy and you'll ask for somebody else to help you. And so that's an important thing is, um, working together and leaning on each other in those times when you have a little too much going on <laughs> or there's, you know, something unexpected happens and you need somebody to step in and cover for you. Absolutely. I just want to remind everyone, keep bringing in your questions both on Facebook and Twitter and the board's going to help me gather those so we can keep asking Amy some awesome questions. You guys are doing great. And we'll leave it into Jeremy asked another question. What are some tools you use? You've talked about some books. Do you have other books, podcasts that um, aid you in developing, developing those leadership skills? Um, any further? Well, um, Brene Brown, she's a TED Talk that I like to listen to, as well as Amy, is it Cuddy and the power and the power poses? Oh, yes, absolutely. You got a power pose. Yes, no? absolutely. We do that. One of my yeah. professors did that before. They're like, before you have a practical, hit your power pose. That's right. Students lose their minds during practicals. Been there. <laughs> uh, you know, and our, our talk tonight is really women in leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the focuses of tonight. So Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. You have to read it. If you have not read that book, read it. I have my original book that I got a couple of years ago. And actually, my dog Aspen, when he was a puppy, he chewed on it a little bit, which just gives it more character. But I have read that book. I have it underlined. Um, it's, it's specifically for women in leadership, but I think anybody could take something away from it, men or women. Um, but if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to read it. And then another one is The Power of Pause, um, The Speed of Trust uh, by Stephen Covey's son. Um, so those are all several, those are several great, you know, John Maxwell, he's always a good one. I like to, can you tell, I like to read leadership. 
<laughs> me too, it's fine. <laughs> That's great. I definitely gonna have to be buying some of those books because I definitely read a lot of uh, leadership things too. One for me is Start With Why. It was a really good one for me. Um, because sometimes if you don't know why you're involved, you kind of get lost. And I feel like that's the, the power, kind of where all that passion can come from. Let's see what Another our question is. Another great course is the LAMP course through ABTA. Mm, so absolutely. The um, I have taken LAMP 101. Um, and so that's another great uh, resource. Key is just killing it with all the questions. Key asks, if you are the lone SPT or SPTA in your class that wants to get involved, how do you take that next step? And how can we convince our classmates to get fired up too? Well, I think Key could probably answer that. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I think it is fun what your passion is. Um, he is involved in PT PAC. And so that's something that he's very passionate about. Um, I think that's key is what is it? because it needs to be something you enjoy doing. Um, so there's, there's great opportunities, um, you know, talking to your chapter exec. Um, Susie Cowan works for APTA and she's our chapter executive for Alabama. And then Lisa McLaughlin at APTA staff, she's another resource um, who's, somebody, who's somebody you could call and talk to. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is use your resources. Use the people that are close to you. Talk to them about the things that you're excited about. Um, contribute to the PT pack, and that can be something small. Um, uh, so just attending chapter conferences, you know, also talking to your classmates about why it's important to be a member or asking one of the chapter leadership to come speak to your class. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the UAB students, we had a PT night, PT night out uh, about a month ago in Birmingham and there were several UAB students there. And one of the UAB students um, was talking about advocacy night and how she wanted to do an adv advocacy, you know, kind of, just talking about advocacy and inviting PTs, PTAs um, to UAB to talk about advocacy. Well, what a great way as a student to get members and potential members involved in APTA by talking about something that matters to us. So that's a great example. I, I completely agree. I mean, right now around the country, national advocacy dinners are happening. We actually have a Facebook page that has them all listed. So one of my board members will drop that event link in the comments, but the more and more are popping up and I couldn't be more excited to see more and more schools wanting to host them and talk about advocacy and what's happening in our profession. It's really exciting to me. <laughs> and James has asked, you had mentioned networking a few times. How important is that to developing as a leader? You cut out for just a second. Oh. Say it one more yeah. time. James asked, you had mentioned networking a couple times and how important is that as to like developing as a leader? So um, I would say that's core. That's kind of foundation is networking. Um, you know, we talk about, I mentioned earlier about the half of eight and, and how as a PTA, I, I have a full vote now in the state of Alabama, which we were the first state that passed it. Um, but 
even before I had a full boat, um, I felt like my voice was more effective than my vote because, you know, I mean, as a PTA, as an active member of APTA, whether I'm a PT, whether I'm a PTA, whether I'm a student, my voice is, is so important. And if one, if I'm not a member, I don't have a voice. And then two, if I am a member, then how I portray myself and how I speak and how I listen and how I learn, that's my most effective tool. Um, and so your voice as a member of the APTA, it is heard. And um, that's the most important. And my one of my values of being a member. I agree. I don't know that I answered the question, but. <laughs> that's okay. Um, for me, like networking, I just love it, but that's how you get to know, you know, your hashtag PT fam. And that doesn't, networking doesn't just mean at conferences. We all, so we're called social networks. I know we use Twitter and Facebook constantly to do that kind of networking, but the PT fam is a pretty awesome place to be. So you guys networking, I, I totally lost track of the question, but <laughs> you know, I think about how many people I've met over the years being involved and you know, when I think about networking, it's the relationships that I've made along the way. It's, you know, the fact that if I had somebody in Houston, Texas that needed therapy, I'd pick up the phone and call Nicole Volick and say, hey, I've got somebody in Houston um, that needs therapy. Actually, Sugarland, Texas, I think is where she's from. Um, if I had somebody uh, in Hawaii who needed therapy, I would call Janet Crozier. Um, if I had somebody in Washington state, I'd call Paul Perdue or Kathleen Washington, uh, Kathleen Taro. So it's, you know, networking is, um, it's all the people that you meet along the way and, and what they bring to, to the table. You know, it's not always all the information I have, but it's my ability to connect to somebody who has that information. And um, so there, there's a person in APTA that I've met that can help me. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, it's crazy once I started getting more involved in my profession. I, like, I feel like the PT world's like this big. Like, you know, like five to ten prominent people, you know everyone. <laughs> and that was crazy for me when I first got started because you think, like, oh, that, you know, Sharon Dunn, for example. You're like, oh, I, I'm never going to be able to know Sharon Dunn, but you meet three other people and bam, now you know Sharon on a personal basis. It's crazy. <laughs> Isn't it great? It's so great. <laughs> She's great. Um, here's a question for introverts in the group because I'm not an introvert, so I wish I could give you these strategies but can't. What are some strategies for networking for those introverts? So, um, you know, I think the thing is for an introvert, you're better one-on-one. -on -one. And so, and there are times in some of these events when you're in a room and it's so loud, I struggle because I can't hear real well when there's so much noise. But I think it's learning how to communicate more one-on-one -on -one, um, and being able to have a conversation over coffee with somebody or um, through Facebook Messenger or through a lot of our social media networks, the student APTA student assembly Facebook page. Um, yeah, slide so in the DMs. 
uh, learning to connect in whatever way that you have. And then the other thing is allow time because intro what it is about introverts is you recharge when you're by yourself. And so if you're an introvert and you need that alone time, you probably don't need to share a room with six other students because you're never going to be able to recharge. Um, you know, so I think it's also being aware of what you need so that you don't totally drain your battery. Um, I think I'm kind of a mix. I think I actually am extroverted and introverted. And so I love being around people and I get a lot of energy from it. But being involved at the level I am, a lot of times you don't have any downtime. So <laughs> when you go when we go to House of Delegates, you know, you start early. When it's lunch break, you're meeting. And then when it's the 15-minute break, you're hoping you can get to the bathroom before. You just don't ever stop. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's Sharon Dunn. She never meets a stranger. If, mm -hmm. she, she, if she's going from one meeting to another, she's, she talks to 10 people in between. Um, but as an introvert, you have to kind of plan time where you can disconnect from all that. And, and recharge your battery. Yeah, I think it's kind of knowing yourself, how far you push yourself without getting exhausted. Um, exactly. I'm going to shout out down to Chris Nolan. He said his PT fam is awesome for his soul and his clinical, and I couldn't agree more. PT fam is my favorite people in the world. <laughs> but Nick O'Hanlon asks, how do you make networking conversations meaningful? Um, what strategies do you use to develop a relationship after those conversations end? Well, the most important thing is to be genuine. So, you know, when you're having a conversation, you just got to be who you are. And if you're trying to fake it or you're, you're just trying to, you're trying to connect, it's <laughs> not natural. But just be who you are and be honest that, um, you know, talk about the things that you enjoy. Um, how do you connect afterwards? Uh, you know, reach out via social media, reach out via an email, um, and just say, hey, I enjoy talking to you, um, and maybe highlight what spoke to you. Um, you know, there are, if you're at, you know, it depends on the environment. So if it's somebody you meet at CSM in a town hall meeting, you might ask, you know, what are some other opportunities? What are the highlights? What do you enjoy during this meeting? And it may give you ideas of what interests you and, you know, um, you'll meet again at a different meeting. So. My, I have some go-to questions. I'm always like, you know, we always start with what year are you and where are you from for students anyway? Because everybody loves to talk about themselves. So if you can give the other person an opportunity to kind of start with where they're from, what kind of clinical or clinic do they work in, what they're interested in. And from there, you can kind of pick out what you have in common. And I feel like that's a really good way to start that connection, from my yeah. experience anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Rachel Birch, shout out to UAB. Um, she says, on the other hand, as an extrovert, how do you make sure that you don't overwhelm people with all your ideas and thoughts? I relate to that on a spiritual level. I have done that to people. <laughs> That's where the seek first to understand. That's where you have to stop and listen. And that was something when I first um, 
became involved in the PTA caucus, I guess, as a delegate that I struggled with at times because I was just so excited and I wanted to talk. And, and I remember I had a friend at the time that would kind of like elbow me, like stop talking. <laughs> um, and, and so you might need somebody, an accountability partner who can kick you under the table or elbow you so you'll stop talking. Um, but that's the key is to, to listen. And, and the, as Covey would say, you listen to understand, not to reply. How often do we listen because we're thinking about what we're going to say next, but mm -hmm. really listen to what they're saying. And that mm -hmm. takes effort. It takes practice for sure to do that. Um, when I first got involved, I used to vomit the APTA on people because I was so excited. <laughs> and then I realized it wasn't the best strategy for <laughs> making people as excited about the APTA as I was. But once I figured out to like listen to what people wanted to get from the APTA, it was much easier for me to see it and spark their interest than just being like, it's great, you should join. <laughs> um, we only have time for a couple more questions. Let's see, Dominic asks, what can we do as student leaders to prevent the rapid attrition of membership from student PT and PTAs to fresh PT and PTAs? So how do we keep those students engaged and members after they are no longer students? So I think the key is that we have to make connection. Um, and we've talked about that a little bit. You know, how do you um, how do you meet people? So as leaders or as members, when a student's there, we want to talk to you guys. We want to know who students are. And so um, that's the first thing that if you are already a PT or a PTA and you're a leader, you know, Chris Nolan is actually one of my PTA caucus delegates. And so I love Chris and I always want to see Chris. And when we see each other, we're going to talk. But the key is you can't hang out with just the crowd that you know, but the crowd that you know has to really take the whole room and talk with everybody. And as students, you guys have to do the same. You know, as a student assembly board of directors, you got you got your PT fam. Oh yeah. When you go to a meeting, y'all can't stay together. You have to go out and you have to meet all of the students and engage all of them. So one of the things that you see the APTA board of directors do, you see um, the Alabama chapter leadership do, and the PTA caucus leadership do is you set one board of director at a table with just members so that you can engage those members and you find out what's important to them and what's valuable. Um, and so as students who are on this um, chat, you're involved, you're engaged. So mm -hmm. you get the other students in your class involved and engaged. And you know, we like to hang out with our people. And so yeah, that's the key is just being involved and engaged and finding Finding your people within APTA, and um, then it's a connection for life, really. I, I completely agree. I tell people all the time they're stuck with me after they're <laughs> my PC fam. <laughs> and shameless plug, career starter dues are something that if you are an APT member, when you graduate from PT or PTA school, you get 50% off your dues for the first year, 40% the second year, and so on. So you wait five years to get full membership do so it kind of eases you into that process and also that first next after you graduate you get free registration 
I think that sounds pretty awesome. Um, so one of the board members will drop the career start dues link if you want to get more information on that. But we are running out of time. For anybody that's participating in the chat on Twitter or Facebook, um, I'm challenging you. I want you to do becoming a leader. After this chat, I'm going to blank. I kind of want to hear what this has inspired you to do or things you're going to change uh, throughout the next few weeks or months or years over your PT career. Um, and I have a few announcements that are happening in the next month or so. Like I said before, national advocacy dinners are happening. So if you have one in your area, be sure to attend. And if you want to know more information and how to start your own, they don't have to be very formal. You can have pizza and just kind of sit around and talk about advocacy. But Lindsay McAlonan is going to be somewhere in the comments and Allie Beck. They're both awesome resources to give more information. On April 8th, Ariana will have another value talk. She's going to be talking with Rebecca Trulay about why she values her APTA membership. Um, and those national, national advocacy dinners roll right into Federal Advocacy Forum. And that's going to be from April 30th to May 2nd in Washington, D.C. And that's where people are on site in D.C. talking to their congressmen and senators um, advocating right, right for our profession. And then next, volunteers and House of Delegates applications are open. And that and FAF registration all closes on uh, April 5th, so be sure to get those in. And last but not least, next registration, early bird rates end on April 5th, um, and that's going to be in Orlando, and that's going to be a really good time, so everybody should come for that. Amy, would you have any final thoughts or questions that you want to challenge the audience with? So I mentioned Lean In um, as, uh, by Sheryl Sandberg, so I'll just challenge each of you. This profession this career, um, it's amazing. And the people, lives that we get to touch, um, it's amazing to be a part of that. So I challenge you to lean into this career, to put everything that you have into it and to be an advocate for our patients because they need us to be advocates for physical therapy. And um, just be involved, be a member, be an active member, and get engaged at whatever level um, you can. So thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. And if people want to contact you, can you have some, either some of your contact information? Sure. My email is actually asmith at restoretherapy.com. That's asmith at restoretherapy.com. And then also, if you go to the PTA page on APTA, You'll actually find my name and the other delegates under um, PTA representation, and my email's there as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me, Amy. Amy. <laughs> and everyone join me on April 22nd for my next exchange chat. I'll be talking to some staff members from Enrich and Laurel Road on financial literacy because I'm going to have a lot of debt, and I'm not super good with finances, so we're going to talk through some strategies on how we're going to manage all this debt that we're in as students. Thank you guys for joining me today and we'll see you next time. Thank you.